I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back to Unashamed. Um, got Zach back in the house with us uh, today. Zach, we missed you last uh, few podcasts. I know you've been a busy man. Oh, yeah. It's been wild, but I'm back. You got any movie updates since we got you back? I know you've been working feverishly on The Blind. Yeah, we got, in fact, I think, uh, well, I don't think I know. Tickets are available now, which is very uh, far in advance. I, know, I understand that, but it's it's a big deal because the the more tickets we sell up front, the more theaters that they're going to open up to us. We got a pretty wide release, but I'd love to get over two thousand theaters um, on that opening weekend. That's going to be pivotal for everything. So, yeah, we screened the film for a, a pretty large group in Florida last week, which went very well. And then Sunday, I'll be screening it for the family. So. Yeah. I'll be down there in your neck of the woods in just a few days. Yeah, Dad and I have not uh, seen it yet. I did see the extended trailer, and Lisa and I, and I also went on theblindmovie.com, and you can see uh, if it's in your area, and you can actually get those tickets Zach was talking about. So we actually are, have already done that. It's really great to see exactly where it already is and expand yeah. that. So. Well, and you can if you if you're in an area, a lot of our audience is in rural America. So we worked out a deal um, with Fathom, where if you're with if you're not within 25 miles of a theater, then you can actually host um, at your church. You can actually host an event at your church and and sell tickets and watch the movie with your church family. So if you're in a um, if you're in an area. That's not what you're not within 25 miles of a theater, then you can go to blindmovie.com and the information's on there. But you can actually uh, put your info in, and one of our team or one of the Fathom team will reach out and they'll set you up. And you can actually show it in your church, and that would be a great evangelistic tool to, for your community. So, yep, we're moving along. Absolutely. It's, it's rolling now. I love it. Um, Jace, you've been to uh, New York City since last we were on. Tell us about that experience. Jace, what did you go? learn? From, from going to New York City. <sighs> well, I learned that it's a long ways from here. <laughs> well, there's a great distance between here and New York. Yeah, it seems to be a little more uh, even divided, you know, just culturally. I mean, you walk the streets of New York, which surprisingly, you know, a lot of people, they recognize me on, on both both sides of the division. Mm-hmm. So in one breath, you know, it was like, hey, man, we love y'all's podcast. Did you get any new and, good? Dude? Oh, yeah. And then on the other hand is, you rotten scoundrel, I hate Duck Dynasty. I got that twice. Oh. Wow. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's, it's a bitter world out there, huh? It's a bitter world. But only world. twice. That's not, that's not bad. Not in well, you know, those are the things I could repeat. There were a few other things that I thought they must have me confused with somebody else. But uh, <laughs> they might have thought you were me. No, I think what happens. Uh, they don't like me. I think what happens is when you're you're. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I've got some letters I'd like to show you sometime. You run out of something. To don't, do, but... don't show them. Oh. I'm, I'm... <laughs> Well, I will say this: the uh, the one thing that oh is God. in my life right now in the last couple of weeks is that I have have things to do. I have not run out of something to do here. I feel like it's been a whirlwind, but because uh, then I came back and spoke at Celebrate Recovery, like we flew back in late 
we were there for three days. And then the next night I was with the Celebrate Recovery crowd, which that was my opening line. I was like, because the contrast, you know, you're with the masses of people in New York. You're doing live TV. And, uh, and you know, they interviewed us while we were in New York. It, it's a, you know, it's a news show. They're asking you about every controversial issue on the planet, you know, and you have no idea what they're fixed to ask you, which is why I think, like, the next day you're walking the street, some people, you know, they, they watch you. what you say, yeah. and they're like, well, how dare you? Because we got asked about that uh the Dodgers game, which I, I had no idea. It was news to me. You're and, arguing uh, about a baseball game? Well, what happened was well, the, the, yeah. the baseball, which Al was, you know, has always been a Dodger fan. I'm a fan. huge Dodger fan. I've been yeah. severely disappointed. Yeah, yeah and I was yeah. too. Well, they asked me, they said, you know, what do you think? And I was like, well, what? what? I mean, it was live TV. I was like, well, what exactly is the issue? So they showed a video and, uh, and I'm going to have to admit, for me to see this video on live TV and get, because I had not seen this, but it was basically uh, an image of Jesus on a cross. So a guy is like carrying his cross, and then another guy comes up and they like do a simulated sex act to make fun of the Christian religion. Well, this was the group of and people. And this is how they did it? This is how they were doing it at the baseball. They were inviting these people, you know. To, to honor To them, celebrate yeah. Pride uh, Month, the, month. The, the gay Pride Month. And I was like, now there's one thing, you know, about what people do in the world, uh, you know, behind closed doors, you know, in a country. There's another thing when that goes on in the church, you know, and people that are claiming to be in Jesus. But then there's a whole different thing when you're just supporting a group of people who are mocking the Christian faith. I, I, I wasn't sure what that had to do with anything that they were even representing. So, uh, and, and for their, uh, you know, they're, they're supposed to be playing baseball. Why are you bringing this in? So we commented on that and, I mean, we were pretty blunt about our views about that. That that was just not acceptable, and so uh, I'm sure that led to some of the taunts on the street. But anyway, when I get back to celebrate recovery, I was like, man, this is quite the contrast of you know of crowds where where I was, yeah. and and then because you know how raucous those celebrate recovery crowds are for the Lord. Well, they're fantastic. Well, particularly the one at White's Bay Road. That's a that's about as that's about as rowdy as it gets. That's a yeah, that's was, a raucous crowd. It was good. I knew it was good. It was a good spiritual therapy. You know, I love yeah. those people. Well, and it was kind of it was kind of quid pro quo, Jace, because we had Rucker on the podcast uh, while you were there, so you were able to come back and and do something because Rucker's you know runs our Celebrate Recovery. He and Derek. Well, I actually yeah. taught uh, the lesson or the passage that I based. Uh, the talk to the celebrate recovery was from Luke six, and how uh, I pulled a, I pulled a, what you do is because so they gave me a topic, now they gave me John fifteen, <laughs> I am the vine, uh, you know that section one, and I read it, and then I just, just made a segue. <laughs> to, to where you've been studying, <laughs> yeah, to where I've been studying, because I had no time to prepare. And uh, so I am the true vine, and you know the things—the <laughs> things that the Lord prunes in us as we remain in Him, 
you know, I basically centered it around pride. I was like, and so I did, I did three points without saying I got three points, but I talked about the two births, your natural birth, which is confusing and bewildering. And I told a, a, you know, a personal testimony. I said, look, when I was got to be about six or seven years old and I was informed on how I got to this planet, because I asked my mom, I said, how exactly did I get here? And she said, well, at one time you were in my belly. And I said, I don't believe that. <laughs> I did not believe it. Yeah. I thought, what? No, seriously. I can see uh, a six-year-old, seven-year-old. Yeah, you know, we're living out in the woods here. I'm looking Where'd around. I come from? Yeah, huh? and I'm like, where'd I come from? And you were in my belly? I said, I don't believe that. And my point was that when it comes to the new birth, it's not exactly what you think. I mean, even even us as human beings, you know, later on we figure out, oh, yeah, th- this is how it happened. I mean, but it's it's not what anybody would think, even 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 when you're here as a child. And so I said, when you're young in the faith, it's hard to wrap your head around how exactly the new birth operates. I mean, God moving in you. I mean, the it, when you start thinking about it, it, it is hard to wrap add, your mo- head around. I would add most people that that information, a lot of them never did find out where they came from well exactly so uh that was kind of the way i went and then i went with the two attitudes which was pride and humility which are very hard things to wrap your head around and i made a point that you know pride is actually way more difficult to deal with than any other sin because it's all happening in your mind and it you're elevating yourself and justifying yourself and and a lot of times encircling yourself with religious principles and excuses. Yeah. And uh and I got that from Luke 6. It, it's it's more of a pride thing. And uh so I went through that and then I did the two kingdoms. The what the worldly kingdom which the two kingdom is all other kingdoms that's in one category and then God's eternal kingdom. But I based it off Luke 6. That was kind of the point of, of yeah. where I went. And of course I focused on Jesus in all three of those areas. But I did do something funny. I thought y'all would get a kick out of this. Cause you know how raucous the crowd is. And I told Missy, I was like, look, I just have a straight up Bible sermon. I have no jokes. I have no, it's just, this is just, and I outlined what I was going to do. And she's like, I think that's great. I was like, but I need an icebreaker. And she just, off the top of her head, she said, well, what you need to do is when you stand up there, you just say, there's a knock on your door, you open it, and someone says, congratulations. You have, and, and let them fill in the blank. And I said, well, what's the point? She said, well, you need to make up a point. I'm just giving you the illustration. That's a good interaction, <laughs> which was hilarious. That was, as I was walking out the door, she said that. So the 10-minute drive, I said, you know what? I'm going to do that. And I came up with a point in the 10 minutes. And so so I did it. I said, uh, I did exactly what she said. So the first answer was about six people simultaneously said money. We, it was a, either a denomination of money, 
or just the word money. Now, one of the older members said a free ticket to heaven. And I said, okay, so after, after round one, we have six people wanting money. And one of the more mature members of this group said a ticket to heaven. He, he went a spiritual, which technically we already have that. So why would you be? So I'm putting all of y'all wrong. You know, you should have already said, I already got that. His name is Jesus. So then I said, anything else? So I pried more. Somebody said ticket the uh, tickets to LSU season tickets. And then I just waited awkwardly for a pause. And then, then some girl finally hollered out. She said, well, I need a new truck. They all laughed, you know. And I said, well, I'm surprised that nobody, uh, you know, said the winning lottery tickets. Or I said, what is the lottery worth right now? And it was dead silent. Everybody was shaking their head like, we don't know. We don't know. And I was like, come on. Nobody in this filled room knows what the lottery is worth right now. And I waited for five seconds. And finally, there was a voice. And uh, it was old Sturgis, Al. He said, $256.4 million. <laughs> and the whole place erupted. Because <laughs> they just didn't want to say, but. I know we're buying some lottery tickets around here. You know? There's some lottery tickets. Somebody's, somebody's buying some lottery tickets. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And so no. we laughed. It was a good icebreaker. But then I made the point, which I came up with on the way up there. I said, here's what's strange. I said, because y'all know why I did that. Because Luke 6, I, I set them up for what, what, what I read in Luke 6. These are the things that the worldly kingdoms pursue. Money, tickets. Lottery winning. You, th these are neutral. So th that that's not what we're all about. It, it really not many would say something about eternal life. Well, they just wouldn't do it. But I said, look, here's the deal. I said, if I told you that the those winning things were found in Matthew through John, if there was there was the winning lottery numbers for next week's lottery. If there was a map where you could find buried treasure worth millions of dollars, I said, if all these things, I said, they are found in Matthew to John, all you got to do is go and read and figure it out. I said, I guarantee you tonight at your house, you would be combing that through. You would invite your friends and neighbors and you would say, look, it's in here. All we got to do is figure out where it is. And so then I said, my point is, what is offered in Matthew to John is a picture of the invisible God, Jesus. And it's way better than any of the things you said that a guy could say knocking on your door. It, it's so much more greater That's than it. that. It, it's just laughable. So, so then I said, have y'all been, been reading your Bible? And it was just silence, you know. That's that's where I got started. I thought it was a good illustration. It's a better, real good explanation. So one of our sponsors, Bowl and Branch Sheets, have been with us for a while, and they've uh, sent us some to be able to talk about on this podcast, and we all sleep on them. Uh, I can safely say it's the best sheets I've ever slept on. Zach, would you agree? Totally agree. The best. Uh, they're soft. They're not made with any harsh uh, chemicals. Uh, they're used 100% organic cotton. 
Uh, and it goes from family farm to the family home, which I love that. And they get better uh, the more that you wash them. So not not many things get better with use, but Bowling Branch sheets are. Uh, they're the only sheets uh, that have this uh, buttery touch, as they call it. I love that word. Uh, <laughs> millions of sleepers. They're, uh, they're loved by four U.S. presidents, which is fantastic. Uh, like I said, no toxins or none of the bad stuff. They got the good deep corners, so they fit around your bed. And they offer a 30-night worry-free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all U.S. orders. But trust me, you're not going to send these back. So sleep better at night with bowl and branch sheets. Get 15% off your first order when you use the promo code Robertson at bowlandbranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch, bowlandbranch.com. Use the promo code Robertson. Exclusion supply. See their site for details. No, I think it's super appropriate. It was an excellent idea by Missy, which is, you got a, a future in preaching. You're getting your icebreakers on the way out the door, and then you're shifting your text to what you're studying to be able to, you know, get get that out there. That's welcome to welcome to preaching ministry. That's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but I was thinking to the particular audience that you were speaking to, who have most have come to our community and to, especially to our church. Because some addiction or some powerful, you know, thing has taken over their lives, that particular approach to what what they're really looking for was outstanding. I mean, that's it in a nutshell. There's no money wouldn't get you out of all that. In fact, some of the most drug addled, bitter individuals are people with money and all the things you would think would be a difference maker, but it's not. And so, I think that's an outstanding approach with that particular audience, it's good for any of us, but especially good for them. Yep. Well, I thought I could, uh, kind of go through my, you know, cause we're in Luke six yep. and I thought I could, uh, you know, read that text cause it is difficult. And I, I don't think outside of our podcast and I'm not bragging, I'm just being truthful. There's not a whole lot of people talking about Luke chapter six. There's not a whole lot of sermons because you, uh, you know, you, you want to have an audience <laughs> and these things are not, they're, they're really tough to, to look at as something that God says is great. And, um, do you want to do that, Al? And I can go through, I, cause I had a few points I wanted to bring up and, and get y'all's thoughts on it. Yeah, no, that's, that's outstanding. That's I, I would add, I would add Jace right here. When you, when you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you've been waiting 1,000 years. The wait has been 1,000 years. 607 AD before Jesus, you have a guy saying, in the future, way in the future, there's going to be a kingdom set up that will never expire or be crushed so he gave the idea the daniel daniel too daniel yeah. too he said empires are you're going to see they're going to come and they're going to go they're going to come and they're going to rot and fail and he started with the babylonians and then he went to the medes and the persians and then he went to the greeks 
and their great empire. Which all happened in history. That's correct. It, it happened, in, and then there's the Roman Empire. Well, here comes that thousand years in advance. Daniel gave it. The 600 years goes by. God is quiet for the next 400. So you're looking at a thousand years that it's gone by. That's why it said that kingdom's coming in the future. But when you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, specifically texts like Luke 6, it's a demonstration of what the kingdom that they've waited on, that the world has waited on for a thousand years. When it finally gets there, Jesus is explaining how it, the people in it will be. They'll, they'll, it, it, they'll be, they'll, the people will reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man, and people, they'll laugh, and I mean, and they, yours is the kingdom of God, he says. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. He's showing them that the kingdom now is at hand. It's within reach. It's going to happen before some of you die. So Daniel, right. what he said, you bring it all forward. And when you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it sounds so ironic and so out of reach. Most people be thinking, what in the world is he talking about? It's what yeah. the kingdom is going to look like. And now it's you can see the king telling you what it's going to be like. Sometimes I think the religious world, if you ask most of the religious world, where's the kingdom of God? You say, well, it's already here. Let me show you something in Luke 6. Here's the way it is. Here's the way the people are. It's an explanation of us. <laughs> yeah. But amazingly, we don't, we, don't, uh, we don't act too solid in what I just said. You, you put Daniel and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John together, and presto, here comes Jesus. You're going to see this before you die. Mark said, so when you look at it, you say, man, alive. That was a turning point in history of the world. What turning point? I mean, it was the point of the whole thing. So I'm fired up about being in a kingdom that uh, we have a, an invisible king, but he's all over the earth and the kingdom is growing and it's been tried to wipe it out over and over and over, but we're all still here. <laughs> and Jason, you were proof of it. When you went up there and told them people in New York. Yeah, exactly. It's always tied to the kingdom. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom. You don't have to be rich. It's just this is another 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 kingdom. Well, that's exactly where I went in the lesson because you know, I, I made a point early on that, you know, when we think about what we have to do to enter the kingdom, we think you know, we need to surrender. We need to suffer. We need to submit and even die. We're know? not worth saving. We're we we're, we're out here drug infested. Well, right, and but we're we're like you got to you know repent. We talk about repenting. What you have to do. Yeah. But when you really think about it, those things, uh, surrendering, suffering, submitting, and dying, there none of those things is in God's nature. When you think about who God is, all providential, he's omniscient, uh, he's eternal. So, you know, he, he couldn't die because he's eternal. He's, he's all holy and justice, you know. So 
when we think, well, we have a problem because we're sinful and we, we physically die. This is kind of how I started started the meat of the lesson. Well, you you can't relate to God because he doesn't have those qualities. And I made a big deal. I paused in there. I said, but if he became a man, because God in his nature, he seemingly can't do what he's asking us to do. And so people are like, well, I, I don't understand how this works. Well, if he became a man, then he could surrender his will. He could suffer. He could die because he was a man. But he could do it perfectly because he's God, which is exactly what happened. And, and uh, you know, when you read, exactly, when you read Hebrews 4, and I read, a, a, it's one of the few notations I've ever read out of a book, but I wrote a I read a paragraph out of C.S. Lewis's uh, Mere Christianity about the process of understanding, you know, you don't understand temptation and you don't understand being bad until you try to resist it. I mean, if you just give in every time, you really don't understand what being bad means because you're not giving it time, time enough to understand. You just quit every time. It's like, oh, well. And so he made this point based on Hebrews 4 that we have a high priest who is tempted in every way just as just as we are, uh, but never sinned. Was so he's able sin. to help those because he understands temptation. You know, we don't a lot of us don't understand a specific temptation after five minutes of resisting the temptation because we don't last that long. Yep. But he understands what it what it looks like an hour later. <laughs> And two hours later. And I mean, that is, that would be the ultimate in what you would need for to have an advocate on your behalf. You're talking about understanding every temptation from every conceivable angle. And was without sin. And was without the, sin. Yeah, the, the, suffering, the suffering and the submission and the sacrifice of Christ is, is, is embodied in literally embodied in, in Jesus, in the incarnation of God himself in Christ. But I would argue that, that that flows from one of his primary attributes of love. And, you know, there's a guy out of Princeton that I read a book uh, or listened to a lecture he gave on this idea of contemplating what God was doing before he creates or initiates creation. And, um, and he asked the question, was God, who is God having, uh, pouring his wrath out on before he creates? And, and you, you start to think about that when all that exists is the father, the son and the Holy spirit, then there's no one for God to pour wrath out on because there's no sin. Um, then he asked the question, well, well, who or what was God pouring his mercy out on bef before he creates when all that exists is the father, the son and the Holy spirit. And, and the answer is, well, well, no one, because mercy is what you give to people who sin, right? You're giving them un, unfavored merit and, and you're giving them forgiveness, but there's no, there's no infraction. So there's no mercy. Uh, he asked the question, who or what was God being sovereign over before he creates and when all that exists is the Father, Son, and Spirit? Of course, the answer again is, is no one, because sovereignty is how God relates to his creation and how he, he rules and reigns over his creation. Um, but then he asked the question, who or what was God loving before he creates? And the answer is obviously he was loving himself eternally. And I think that when when you read the Gospels, 
uh, when you read the gospel of Christ and this idea that Christ would condescend, that Christ would come, that Christ would pour out, like this is what flows out of a God who in his very nature, verse John 4, eight says it, that God is love. And so the gospel and, and the fact that Christ took on the nature of humanity, the fact that God allowed us to get our hands on him, the fact that God allowed us to kill him, the fact that God suffered a cruel death, all of that, all of that flows out of his primary nature of that God is love, First John 4, 8. So I think it's in the, all of these things that we're pointed back to um, this transcendent beauty of who he is. And that should, I think it does draw not all, all men, because some men reject this, but but the intention is to draw all men into this and captivate us into this incredible beauty. Because um, as Phil said, we like no, but none of us stand worthy of any of this. So yeah, I do think it flows from his primary nature. So one of our sponsors that uh, we really love is uh, a group called Barrel Buddy. And uh, Jace, I think one of the things we like about them is that they kind of started like us. You know, they're they're hunters, they're guys out in the field that saw a need and said, you know, we need to have clean weapons. Yeah, and I mean, when you think about what we do as hunters and just survival as many snakes and all the problems we have to deal with, I mean, cleaning your gun is common sense exactly and, it, and it's something you do as a gun enthusiast for safety uh but also for accuracy and to be better uh yeah they used to have the old days we used to clean the the barrel with the patches you know you try to take them down your barrel they get lost you're trying to look for them then there was the boar snake that came along after that so they have all these different ways of trying to to clean your gun barrel and these guys have come up with a, a white polymer uh, that shows you what comes out of there. It cleans it as it goes through, and so you'll know. Keeps it safe. Uh, I certainly could have used this in my past as a young person when I was learning how to handle a weapon. But we want you to check these guys out. Great Christian uh, company, uh, good guys, uh, and they can help you with uh, making sure your gun is clean. Go to BarrelBuddy.com. That's B-A-R-R-E-L, Buddy. BarrelBuddy.com and check them out. Yeah, that takes you right into that next text is what I was thinking, Jason, because you come out of those blessings and woes, and it's exactly what Zach described, that even you could have the love that Jesus showed while he was here. And we talked about this on the podcast that we had Rucker on, that in the in that passage from 27 to 36 of, of Luke 6, I mean, everything that Jesus says that we should do, he did. You know, every one of those things in there, he did. He was hated. He was cursed. He was mistreated. He was slapped across both cheeks multiple times. His cloak and his tunic were taken, and he gave everyone mercy uh, that had mistreated him. So, you know, I mean, it's the ultimate example to follow. Yeah, that's why I moved. That's why I moved into the humility and pride as the character things because basically we're following the same line of thinking but i made a point that you know we try to illustrate what jesus did and what god's plan was but it's almost like the more religious people try to illustrate it the more that it becomes about the illustration (laughs) than wrapping your head around just the fact that jesus God in human form 
died on a cross for the sins of the world. And through his resurrection, he disabled death itself. I mean, you can try to illustrate that, but just declaring it is 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 wrapping your head around that is the more powerful thing. That did happen. I uh, saw three people change their life yesterday morning when they heard what you said needed to be said. I just told them about Jesus. We started from over here in old Daniel when he talked about the the kingdom would come. And I gave him Luke too. Yet the, the, I said, "Who's who's ruling the roost here?" You know, the, the Roman Empire. I said, "He said, when the Roman, when that, when that, when that kingdom comes, that's when the king of all kings is going to arrive. Yeah. He, that, that's when he's going to come." And everything points to that. Yeah. Well, and then I I made a statement that look, we believe that uh, we reenact it. We do the Lord's Supper. We do, you know, baptism. Uh, we we live that out. We declare it. We grow in it. And you say, what? Just the fact that he was crucified for the sins of the world and that his resurrection destroyed death itself. So some of those things you do in your mind, with your voice, in your heart, you you don't believe in it. But really, that's how it spreads, which was God's. Yep. God's measure. Yeah, so after good. I said that whole speech, I said, that is the new birth. Yep. It's that's just good. hard yeah. to get it down to one thing and illustrate, because you got a lot of people in the crowd that I was speaking at are very young in the faith. And so I did that analogy, of uh, which I've done before. I, I got it from Tim Keller about the acorn and the oak tree, you know, and the growth process in the faith. Of course, what's funny is I said, you know, how many of y'all know what an acorn is? And, you know, I said like 14 people raised their hand. I'm like, y'all need to go outside and look around on the ground. An acorn. Well, oak trees. <laughs> but if you would have said acorn, they probably would have known it. They probably would have known it. You pronounce it. They, they made it. Acorn. Yeah, acorn. Maybe it was a. Acorn. Maybe it was a. Southern lingo, yeah. Acorn. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I did that analogy about, you know, it just seems so. You, you step on it, it crushes. But you put it in the ground, give it some time, some sunlight, and some water. It's and amazing. Boy, I, well, who's making that happen? You know, forget religion for a second. That That is a miracle of nature is what they would say. You know, Mother Nature, whatever they're going to say. Oh, Nobody yeah. is really explaining the photosynthesis process of how that's going on. We've just accepted it in our minds. Yep. But that needs to be challenged because that should not be happening. I mean, it goes from something weak and fragile to something powerful and full of years and mighty and can be a resource for, you know, all sorts of things. Because then I went back to the John 15, which saying, you know, who Jesus is and with the tree analogy, you know, remain in him. If you're just a branch on the uh, that's falling off, well, the, you're. You're back to an acre. Again. I learned it in the morning on my way to worship the father of life and the father who uh, put put the trees on there through the acorn. I drove through the gate and my gate and right on the other side of the gate, there is a large oak tree that has fallen and blocked all traffic. Yeah. I well, mean, this thing, you can, you, so. That acorn had come a long way. That acorn's come a long way. <laughs> 
So as I, I got right on the very end, pretty bumpy, but I've climbed up over it with my truck, four-wheel drive truck. I went up there and told the local redneck who works for me. I told him, I said, there's a tree across the road down there. I said, you got the equipment up here to get it out of there, move it out of there. Mm-hmm. So I went on. So he, I looked this morning, and he had taken that. It took a tr- track hole to get down there just to pick up what that acorn built. Yeah. And, I mean, he had to come up with heavy equipment and yeah. put them logs over in the ditch over there and make make it smooth sailing again. But it'll stop all vehicles, one tree. Yeah. And it's it was about – it had rotted, so it was about, oh, I would say – that whole thing when it hit was probably 150, yeah. 200 years old. Which it's a beautiful picture of what we become really when, is. when the spirit moves in and describing yep. the birth process. So, Zach, I don't know if uh, you're aware of this, but uh, our friends at Jace Medical, which, by the way, has nothing to do with our Jace, um, we did find that out. They, the did. guy, the yeah. the doctor that came up with it, had a dog named Jace, and he loved that dog. And it is an acronym, but uh, so it's not our Jace, but Jace Medical. They have uh, a way for you to be able to purchase a twelve month emergency supply of your current daily prescription medication. Um, and I was thinking about all the mission trips and different places you and I have been around the world, where this would have been a great thing to be able to have to take with you. Um, on a trip like this. Well, Jill got, yeah, she went to Haiti a few years ago and let's just say she needed Cipro because she got a major intestinal infection or of some sort. And it would have been nice to have a supply of Cipro on hand when, when she went down there, it was tough. It's hard getting her back. Yeah. And so it's really, it's a great thing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why that people have drug shortages. There's been an increase of about 30%. You got uh, weather, you got shortages, pandemics, uh, reliance on China, supply chain issues. There's a lot of reason why it's good to have your prescription. And Jace Daily is what they call it. And here's what you can do. You go online, uh, you fill out a form, and then you get your Jace Daily prescription delivered right to your door. Uh, so it's it's they make it easy, give you good peace of mind. Go to Jace Medical, J-A-S-E Medical.com. Enter the code UNASHAMED at checkout for a discount on your order. So that's promo code unashamed at jasemedical.com. One of the things that um, I think is difficult for us is uh, analogies are great, but they can only take you so far. And when when we're, we're trying to build analogies for as a reference point for a God who is self-referential. That that's that's the difficulty. You're ultimately all of our analogies and comparisons are going to fall short, and I think we want that, Jace, because we want to be able to tidy this thing up so that we can maintain <laughs> yeah. it. And yeah. it's like it's it, it. There's something unnerving. There's something that unsettling about moving into the new birth or or moving into the a kingdom that I can't even really answer. That when people, what is the kingdom? I I mean. It's, it's kind of like, and then you could go through all the things, but it's like you, we, we don't possess the ability to while you're explain there, this. While you're there, Zach, what's, what's interesting, listen to the way this reads and, and, and based on behavior. Blessed are you who weep now, 
for you will laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's 621. That's pretty, well, that's where that's I pretty went. cool right there. That's where I went to the humility. From weeping to laughing. Yeah. The humility and the pride issue, because I think you make a point that the first section, the ones that are blessed, these these are humble. Humility is going to come from this. Blessed yep. you who are poor, yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed you who hunger now, you will be satisfied. Blessed you who weep, you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject you, reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. So I made that point a couple podcasts ago that when you put these things into categories, you know, it's power, it's comfort. It's, uh, I think the laughter is more of a a gloating, a success. It's peace. It's like you won the election. You know, you you won. You beat. You're gloat. You're laughing. There's a party. You you you're successful. You've made it. Yeah. And so and recognition and celebrity. So so you have a picture of humility and then a picture of pride because it gets to twenty four. Of course, you know I skipped over twenty three, but that is the picture that he's also representing is that the prideful is getting it now. This kingdom. The ones looking for eternity, they're the humble spirit. Because he says, you know, great is your reward in heaven. So then he says, 24, but woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will weep, I mean, mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. Hey, Jace, when we reached out, you, me, and the rest of the crowd, and Al and all the family, the Robertson family, we went in poor. We came, well, exactly. out, we came out rich. Well, that's what's ironic. And hey. I'm, I mentioned that in my lesson. So a lot of people are saying, well, don't you, aren't you rich? And cause, I said, because it is an awkward thing to discuss. And they forgot like, the going in poor. Yeah. And I said, well, yes. I said, but I did everything in my power to find joy in Jesus and not pursue those things. Now, I can't help it if he's just going to fly over and just dump it. He, he literally, it was a knock on the door and say, congratulations. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. So yeah. what you do with those blessings or I think a responsibility that has to move on, but I treat them like a temptation. I was doing what Peter was doing, fishing, so I know what he was going through. And it was, and Jace, you had your hand on the boat throttle for many, many years in there when we're running these nets with catching the fish. And it, we were humble, but what nobody was singing the blues that well, I know because of. Because we were in Christ. Yeah. We, we, but you, you know, read the, if you read the, if you read the text though, it, it, there is a clue in the text that he's not saying, this is not a general socioeconomical like, Attack oh, I agree. on the yeah, rich. I agree with that. That's correct. Yeah, and yeah, and it, and it's also not a general blessing for the poor, for the the hungry, for those who are weeping and those who are hated. This is this. I mean, there will be poor people that will not be in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that's exactly. a fact. And, and so that first line that he says, it, it, he that, this is why he's speaking to a a certain group of people. Uh, verse twenty, I think twenty. Okay, yeah, looking at his disciples. He said, so he's speaking to followers of the way he's speaking to disciples of himself. And these people are going to go in They're They're going into a pretty difficult 
position. I think if we read this as a general overview of him addressing four groups of people, we've missed it. He's he's saying, if you are a disciple of, of mine and you're poor, blessed are you because yours is the kingdom of God, which establishes really the whole context of this whole thing, which is why Phil brought it up at the beginning. I was going to ask the question, what in the world do these blessings and woes have to do with the kingdom of God? And they have everything to do with the kingdom of God, because what's being established here is the, these two kingdoms. He's showing how they relate. Yep. And, and one is the king of uh, Augustine called it the city of God. And then the other, he called the earthly city. And the, and that's the seven, I mean, the, sorry, the four blessings are the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor because they receive the kingdom. Blessed are the hungry. They'll be filled. Blessed are those who weep. They'll laugh. And blessed are those who are hated, excluded, uh, reviled and and uh, and spurned because they will their their reward is in heaven. Then he flips it to the woes. That's the kingdom of earth. That's the those who have put their faith and their trust and their hope in the earthly kingdom. And so he said, well, what about them? Well, the rich. He just reverses everything. You know, woe to the rich because you already have your reward. Woe to those who are full now because you're going to be hungry. Woe to those who laugh now because you're actually going to weep. And woe to those who are spoken well of, because they also spoke highly of the of the false prophets. And he's building this picture of if you put your hope in the things right here on earth, then you're going to be let down. But if you put your uh, fix your eyes upon Jesus, what's the old hymn say? Uh, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of this earth will go strangely dim. Those things that it it it, it just it's a it's an upside down kingdom. And he's giving us a description here of what that upside-down kingdom looks like. Well, I agree with that point. And he knew he was going to send them out also. And, you know, people in the church, just like people in the world, struggle with pride. I think the difference is I've never heard a non-Christian view pride as something wrong. Never. You know, they, they... talk about you know certain sins and we kind of all agree on things that that's going to lead to something but you're not going to run up on a non-christian and say boy this pride is a bad thing and so i think people in the church you know they're going to always struggle with that and you see that later because when you get to chapter 10 you remember when he sends out the 72 because to your point zach he was talking to his disciples Remember, they got all giddy that that miracles were happening and demons were being cast out, and Jesus rebuked them and made an interesting statement when he said in uh, ten nineteen, "I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and o- overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven." And so that's why I said, I think at the end of the day, he was trying to teach them that you're going to be humble. You're going to be persecuted. This is not going to be pleasant. This is, but it's not about you, which is, I tied this in with the John 15 uh, analysis. Cause at the end, you remember when he told his disciples about remaining in him, he also said, I chose you. You didn't choose me, which is a real interesting statement. And my point was that when you combine that with first John four, where it says, this is love for God, not that you yeah. love me, but that I love you and sent Jesus here to die for you. And you say, well, what, what is the, what is the point? What's he trying to say? Well, it's an attitude thing. 
What happens is if, you know, you get in and you surrender to Jesus and all of a sudden things are happening and you think, well, God, God thinks I'm better than old brother so-and-so because look at what's happening in my life. Well, now all of a sudden we, we've missed something here. <laughs> this, this was never about you and it's still not whether you're in Jesus or not. And I think that's the undertone of what he's getting at because then it leads to loving your enemies which seems crazy. I mean, really? I mean, he he's, li- you talking about being humble. I mean, there's a lot of things that I have to work on, but I would put loving my enemy at the top of the list. I'm telling you. So, it, you know, that'll be something that we'll discuss probably in the next podcast. No, I was just going to say, I, I think this is uh, also a great example of why you study all of the gospels and get those different perspectives uh, because we know Luke is a Gentile. We know that he's writing this primarily for a Gentile audience. And I think that's why he took uh, the concepts from the Sermon of the Mount, whether it's, his, and we talked about this when we set this up, whether it's a different sermon or just a compilation, because there's a lot of similarities, you notice he focuses on different things. And so I, I think to a widely, uh, to an audience that had success and really understood the principles of the world. Luke's approach is much more effective. When you go over and look at Matthew, you see some words like perfect instead of mercy and some other things that a, a Jewish mind would have grabbed that concept and understood it in that, con- you know, the way he laid it out. So I, I just think it's brilliant the way he does it because he, who, who, you're right, who in the Greek world is going to love your enemies? You crush your enemies. And yet he's given this upside down, as we said, kingdom perspective that really would have jarred the people that were listening to it. I mean, this, this, this is a whole new way of thinking. This is, this is a, yeah, this, this is the new wine that that can't fit into the old wineskins. There's a a great book uh, by C.S. Lewis called The Great Divorce. And there's this scene in it where um, he's trying to explain to this gentleman that you, you humans don't you can't understand eternity. You see, you, you, just, you just don't get it. And, and there's, and he says, uh, um, they don't understand. We don't understand that heaven, there's two lines here that I want to read that heaven once attained, he says, will work backwards and will turn every agony into glory. And I think that's what's happening here in this, in this text is, is he's explaining that blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are those who are hungry. Blessed are those who are persecuted, all that. Because once heaven is attained, it'll work backwards and it'll turn those moments into glory. He says, and conversely, damnation will also spread back and back into their past and will con- even contaminate the pleasure of sin. And, and, and he kind of ends this with people will realize that the moments that they thought they were actually enjoying themselves those will be moments of hell in their mind for eternity. Conversely, those who thought they were suffering and in pain and turmoil, those will be moments of glory in heaven on earth in the grand scheme of things. Hmm. And I think that what you see in these these blessings and woes it, for us is it's you may you may be in a really hard place right now and you're grinding out, you know, your faith right now, everything's coming against you, but you're faithfully serving the Lord. And and it's I think that's who Jesus is speaking to here. He's saying Hey, when, when you're going through this, these moments right here, this will be when heaven wants attained, it's going to work backwards, even into those moments, and it'll turn every one of your agonies into glory. And yeah. but if you're on the other side, 
you know, then it's, it's, it's the opposite of that. And, um, and I think that's, man, that motivates me to, to live for him, to be righteous, to try to put to death the misdeeds of the body. I don't want, and I don't want to live in, in that kind of experience for eternity. No, I agree a hundred percent. I think what you're trying to depict, cause everybody has a hard time. We look at God like he's day by day, you know, he's already seen yesterday and he sees tomorrow simultaneously. So you stop and say, well, wait a minute, that's hurting my head. I can't, but it is a fact. He is an eternal being. You know, time is, if it was like a line on a chalkboard, well, God is the chalkboard that you're writing the line on. So, you know, but just to take a moment every day and consider that really will change how you're interacting with God. Like, oh, I wonder if he just saw that. Oh, <laughs> he sees. So you have to look at him in a, in a present. Yeah, it's, a, it's in a present tense, but he already sees how it all played out, which is why I think that. that, that yeah, we experience it in, in and in we experience it in time. We experience it in, a, in, in one event, next event, next event. And God doesn't experience the world that way. I mean, he, he exists outside of it. Let me read this real quick, though, because I think this is so good. This is actually a, a excerpt out of that passage about these two processes, which I think are the, the woes and the blessings. He says, uh, C.S. Lewis here, both processes begin even before death. The good man's past uh, begins to change so that his forgiven sins and remembered sorrows take on the quality of heaven. Contrast that. The bad man's past already conforms to his badness and is filled only with dreariness. And that's why the blessed will say, we have never lived anywhere except heaven. And the lost will say, we were always in hell. And both will be right. I I actually think that's what Jesus is getting at here. I think Lewis accurately describes what he is laying out here in in Luke chapter 6. It's this strange kingdom quality that is and it and, and I don't even think it the it, it, I think it's spiritually discerned. I think some people hear no, this and no think doubt. this is the dumbest thing I've well, ever I, heard. It's actually Damn. freeing. It's actually freeing that I don't have to get caught up and pursue these things to feel good about myself. All right, we're out of time. Uh one thing I want to mention before we go to overtime, uh July second uh, there's going to be a faith, family, and freedom event out at Logtown Estate. If you go to logtownestate.com, you can see how to get there. It's in Monroe. Uh, we invite you to come to White's Ferry Road that day. Uh, we're going to have a, a great celebration. Dad's classes at 9, and then at 4 o'clock is the big event out there. It's going to be fireworks and some other stuff. And so you're invited to that on July 2nd. wanted to mention that before uh, we let you go today. If you want to follow us into overtime to talk a little bit more about these concepts from Luke 6, it's blazetv.com slash unashamed is where you get our overtime comment. We'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.